Well, I invite you to grab your Bibles for our scripture reading this morning and turn to Ephesians. We're in the book of Ephesians. We're continuing in our series that we've been in for the last few weeks. And once you grab your Bibles, once you stand, and we're continuing our series, Love, Sex, and Marriage. And we're in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Ephesians, chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 22 through 33, the same verses we read last Sunday. In fact, we're going to read these same verses next Sunday. So we're going to be in God's Word here, same verses for three Sundays in a row. I think God wants us to hear something from Him. So why don't you follow along as we read this together here. It says, Wives, submit your, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it and the relevance of it that still speaks to our lives today. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us concerning marriage and the roles of wives and husbands within the marriage relationship. And so, Lord, may your spirit go forth, may your word go forth, and may it penetrate our hearts. May you do a work as only you can this morning. Use me as I speak your word. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanking you may be seated. Well, as we said, we want to continue in this series. And uh, I, I must admit I'm pretty excited about preaching this message in particular as well as next Sunday's message. And uh, today we're going to focus on the roles and responsibilities of wives, husbands. I know you're excited about that. But next Sunday's our turn as we see what God has to say to us as husbands in our role and responsibility within the marriage relationship. So husbands, I want to see every one of us back here next Sunday. All right, don't cheer for the wife's role this morning and then ditch out on next Sunday. All right, and wives, you bring your husbands if you have to, and you cheer it on for them to pay attention as well. But really, I am. I'm really excited for last Sunday's message. I appreciate Chris filling in for me while... Uh, my family and I were on vacation and giving us the purpose of marriage, God's purpose for marriage, not our culture's purpose, not our own personal purpose, but God's purpose that he declares in his word. And then I'm excited about today and next Sunday, and of course that leads us right into Easter Sunday, the last Sunday of March, and we'll begin a brand new series on that Sunday. It's a great tragedy that in our culture, and even in our churches today, that the different roles of biblical headship for the husband and biblical submission for wives are either deserted, those roles are despised, or they are distorted in the, where it looks nothing like what God intended them to in his word. But after calling us to mutual submission... In verse 21, here in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul devotes, it's interesting, the next 12 verses of this chapter to making distinctions between the role of the husband and the role of the wife. 
And these roles for the husband and the role of the wife are rooted in the distinctive roles of Christ and His church. This means you don't need to deny mutual submission among Christ's followers in order to affirm the importance of the unique role of the husband as head in the unique calling of the wife to submit to that headship. But let's be honest here this morning. The ideas of headship, the ideas of submission are not popular today. Would you agree with that? At least in our culture and even within our churches. The spirit of our culture makes it very hard, even for us as Christ followers right now, to hear a sermon like this and hear it in a positive way. And yet we need to hear what God says. We need to know what God says about the roles and responsibilities for both husbands and wives. We're living in an age today when most young men Most young women have no idea what it means to be a husband and wife, at least from God's perspective. Most people today under the age of 40 are clueless when it comes to understanding and knowing what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife. All they know, for the most part, across our nation, across this world, is what our culture is telling them. This is what it means when I get married. How to be a wife. This is what it means on how to be a husband. What the culture says. What our media feeds into us. And we have distorted, we have deserted, and we have despised God's message as a result of it all. And yet notice what our culture doesn't tell you. This is what our culture won't tell you. It's in your notes coming up on the screen. That is when biblical headship for husbands... And biblical submission for wives is lived out, we experience greater levels of satisfaction in marriage. And for that, I say, woohoo! But the flip side of the coin is when it's deserted, when it's despised or desert, distorted, we experience greater levels of dysfunction in marriage. Listen, more marriages are broken, more marriages end in divorce, not because of adultery. But because we have either deserted, we have despised, or we have distorted God's roles for both the husband and wives. And as serious as adultery is, the abuse, rejection, or misunderstanding of what God says about the husband's role and the wife's role is far more prevalent and causes far more dysfunction within marriages than adultery. But when we live out, here's the good news, when we live out God's ordained roles for husband and wife, let me tell you, God blesses the marriage relationship with greater levels of satisfaction and joy. He does it for His glory, as we're going to see, and He does it for our good in the process. And for this reason, I mean, we need to open up our hearts, we need to tune in to what God says in His Word. And it starts by understanding a profound thought here. Look at this in your notes. What Christ did for us. What Christ did specifically for the roles of husbands and wives. Christ rescued the roles of husbands and wives from the ravages of sin for our good and God's God's glory. Now think about this with me. Stay, Stay with me on this. You need to just think through this for a moment to understand what I'm saying here. When sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, you all know Adam and Eve, go back to the Garden of Eden, go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3. And when sin entered into the world through Adam's sin and Eve's sin, listen, we have to say it ruined the harmony of marriage. It ruined the harmony of Adam and Eve's marriage, and because of that, it ruined the harmony of all of marriages. But not... Because it brought headship and submission into existence. But because it twisted, it distorted man's loving headship into hostile domination in some men and lazy indifference in other men. It twisted women's willing submission 
into manipulative groveling in some women and brazen insubordination in others. In other words, here's what I'm saying. Sin, when it entered in throughout the world, through Adam and Eve, back in the Garden of Eden, sin didn't create. The role of headship for men and the role of submission for women. It distorted them, yes. And it made them ugly, yes. And it made them destructive. Now, if this is true, then Christ's redemption, that is, His work on the cross and His resurrection, is not the dismantling of the original created order of loving headship and willing submission, but it is a rescue of it from the ravages of sin. And that's exactly what we find here now in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. So wives, let me say to you this morning... Let your fallen submission be redeemed by Jesus Christ. And husbands, let me cry out to you, let your fallen headship be redeemed by Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you now, apart from the saving, redemptive work of Jesus Christ, none of us can fulfill these roles of headship and submission. Which is why when you look into the world and you see marriages that are falling apart, they're not satisfying, they're not fulfilling, it's because they don't have the work of Christ in their hearts. So I'm telling you now, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, that's the first step. And if you do know Christ as your Savior, then we have to submit to God and His Word and to the Lordship of Jesus Christ to embrace this and to fulfill it in our marriages. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23 does two things here for us. It guards against the abuses of headship. And let me tell you, there are abuses of this. Is there not in our world? By telling husbands, as we're going to see next Sunday, to love their wives like Jesus loves the church, and it guards against the demeaning of submission by telling wives to respond the way the church does to Christ. Now, obviously, this morning we're going to focus on the wives, so let's just see it again. Let's hear from God. These are His words. God's command to wives in their marriage relationship. Look at it with me one more time. It's in your notes, coming up on the screen. I've broken it down. You see the role. The role of the wives is pretty clear. It's pretty simple. You find it in verse 22. And God says to us, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's your role. Wives, what is your role? Submit. And now, we're given a reason why. Notice the reason in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife. And then Paul qualifies that. As also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. And then Paul kind of restates the role, but in a responsibility. In verse 24, he says, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, With this in mind, what I want to do here this morning is answer three questions in relation to the role and responsibilities of wives. Three questions I hope to answer for us. The first question is this. What does it mean for a wife to submit to her husband? What does it mean? Because there's a lot of confusion out there, even among Christ followers. What does it mean for a wife to submit to her husband? Now, wives, I'm, I'm... I'm begging you, exhorting you, please don't tune God out here just because our culture has bashed the concept of submission. Notice again what it says in verse 22. It's so clear. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. God commanded this because in His wisdom, He knows that submission is the best arrangement for a satisfying, fulfilling, joyful Marriage. Notice the phrase, though, to your own husbands. 
God is not commanding every woman to submit to every man. And wives, we say what to that? Amen, right? But he is commanding all wives to submit to their own husbands. We see an example of submission in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-6. through 6. If you have your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, you can find a pew Bible there in front of you. I ask that you turn to 1 Peter 3, 1-6. through 6, And I want you to notice an example of submission. And what Peter does, he gives us an example of Sarah. Some of you may be familiar with her. Sarah was the wife of Abraham. So this is Sarah and Abraham. And he he highlights Sarah along with some other Old Testament women that are nameless. But specifically, he's focused on Sarah here as an example of submission in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. I want to read all these verses here. I want to ask you to follow along. Look what it says. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good, and are not afraid with any terror. Now, What does it mean, then, for a wife to submit to her own husband? Well, the Greek word for submit, in both this passage and in our passage in Ephesians, simply means to be subject or subordinate to one in authority. It literally means to place oneself under the authority of someone else. I like this definition by John Piper. It's in your notes, coming up on the screen. He gives a simple definition. He says, submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. In other words, submission is an attitude that says to her husband, I delight for you to take the initiative in our family. I am glad when you take responsibility for things and lead with love. I don't flourish in our remarriage relationship when you are passive and I have to make sure the family works and the home is going okay. Now let me just point out Two points about this definition, or what submission is. Notice this coming in your notes on the screen. Submission means responding to your husband's lead. It's the idea of responding. Why? Because verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife. Therefore, submission is the disposition to follow your husband's authority and an inclination to yield to his leadership. Now, next Sunday, we're going to look in more detail what this is for husbands. What does headship or leadership mean for a husband? All right? So, but we're going to, got to come back next Sunday for it because we don't have time to delve into this right now. Wives, can I let you in on a little secret, though? Many husbands feel threatened and incompetent when it comes to leading you and their families, especially if they grew up in a home where loving leadership was not modeled by their own father. And that is more and more common in our culture today. And so now we have a generation, two generations of men who are growing up, getting married, and are clueless at what it means to provide loving leadership in a home. That's why you got to come back next Sunday to find out what God has to say about this. And so we feel incompetent. We don't feel confident in providing this. And so, wives, if I can let you in on a little secret, if your husband attempts to lead and it is met with apathy or criticism by you, I'm telling you, he probably won't try leading anymore in your life, marriage, or home. So wives, if your husband takes a stab at leading in your marriage, fan the flame. Even if you're like, what is that? 
Encourage it. Respond to it. Respond to Him in any way you can that's positive. Because men need that. Every man does. The idea here is to be responsive, not resistant to your husband's leadership. Second, submission involves respecting your husband as a leader. Paul concludes the wife's role of submission in verse 33. If you go to verse 33, it's kind of Paul's summary statement there about roles and responsibilities of both wives and husbands. And he says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So a large part of submission involves respecting your husband's God-given position as a leader, which means not subverting your husband's leadership through either deception, manipulation, or even whining. Now, if we're honest here, many wives tend to view their role as conditional. Here's what I mean by that. Their behavior depends on their husband's behavior. It's an attitude that basically says, sure, I'll be the kind of wife I should be if he's the kind of husband he should be. Now, on the surface, that sounds great, doesn't it? How many wives would say, amen, I'll be that kind of wife. I'll be submissive if he's providing leadership. On the surface, that sounds great. Turnabout is fair play, but there's only one problem. These verses aren't written just to wives who have husbands who, quote, play fair and who love their wives like Christ loves the church. In fact, Paul adds two little words at the end of verse 24. Did you notice them? Look at it, verse 24, Ephesians 5, in everything, in everything. Which basically means we can't create conditions, we can't manufacture loopholes to dodge the role of submission. These verses are written to all wives in general, but when you especially go to 1 Peter chapter 3, our example of submission, those verses is written specifically to wives, get this, whose husbands do not play fair. Or as Peter says, do not obey the word, the word of God, which is another way of saying that that husband is an unbeliever. He doesn't know Christ as his Savior and Lord. So by implication, the role of submission, get this wives, is directed to wives who, yes, live with disobedient husbands. This this role here of submission is directed to wives who have husbands who care little about God. It includes husbands who are difficult to live with. It includes husbands who aren't loving their wives as they should. And yet God comes to us as wives and says, submit. So does this mean wives should submit to their husbands unconditionally, no matter what? What do you think? Well, not exactly. So let me give you three things submission is not. Three things submission is not. First, submission does not mean putting your husband in the place of Christ. Doesn't mean putting your husband on a pedestal above Christ. Verse 21 says you submit in the fear of God. Verse 22 says you submit as to the Lord. In other words, submission does not mean that the husband's word is absolute. Why? Because whose word is absolute? And only his word is absolute. God's word is the only word that's absolute. This means that the wife is a follower of Jesus Christ before and above being a follower of her husband. Why? Because in the example, especially in 1 Peter chapter 3, that husband is going on a path of unbelief, and she does not follow him on that path as a Christ follower. Remember, when Sarah calls Abraham Lord in verse 6, did you catch that? Look at the... Look at the spelling of it. It was Lord with a lowercase l. Now, we don't use that term today in our culture, but back then in that culture, that's a term of respect. 
And her obedience to Abraham is a qualified obedience because her supreme allegiance is to who? The Lord with a capital L. So submission does not mean putting your husband above Christ. No, you are a what? First and foremost, a Christ follower. Which leads us into the second thing here. Submission does not mean surrendering your thought or your influence. Submission doesn't mean agreeing with everything your husband says. And all the wives say, thank God for that, right? You can see this in the example in 1 Peter 3, that the wife is a Christian and the husband is not. This means he has one set of ideas about reality and eternity, and she has another. And so when Peter calls to her to be submissive, while assuming she will not submit to his view of the most important thing in the world, and that is God. So submission can't mean agreeing with everything your husband says or everything he thinks. Submission doesn't mean leaving your brain at the altar, wives. Amen for that, right? It doesn't mean no input on decisions in your family, in your marriage. It doesn't mean no influence on your husband. It's not inability. It's not the unwillingness to think for yourself. You're not a doormat. This is not what this means. Case in point, here's a woman. In our example of 1 Peter, here's a woman who heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, she thought about it. She thought about the implications of rejecting the gospel or accepting the gospel. And she embraced in her heart the person and work of Jesus Christ. And she chose him as her Savior and Lord. Her husband heard the gospel also. Otherwise, Peter probably wouldn't say he disobeyed the word. So this husband has heard the gospel, and he has thought to himself, I'm not going to receive it right now. He has thought about it, and he has chosen not to choose Christ. But this wife thought for herself, and she acted, and Peter does not tell her to retreat from that commitment. So submission does not mean surrendering your thought, your influence, or just your, your own abilities and gifts. Number three, submission does not mean following your husband into sin. You can't do that in the fear of God. It's a Christ following. This is where you have to stand up to your husband. So what does submission say in such a situation when a husband wants her wife to follow him into sin? Well, it says, it grieves me when you venture into sinful acts. You want me to take, want to take me with you in that. You know I can't do that. I have no desire to resist you. On the contrary, I flourish most when I can respond joyfully to your lead. But I can't follow you into sin as much as I'd love to honor your leadership in our marriage. Because Christ is my Lord. First and foremost. So what does it mean for a wife to submit to her husband? Submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership. It's the disposition to follow your husband's authority and its inclination to yield to his leadership, which brings us to the second question. Why? Wives, have you asked that to yourselves before? Why do I want to submit to this dude? Why? Why do I want to follow him and his leadership? Why? Why should a wife submit to her husband? That's a great question. After all, some people come to Ephesians 5, in particular verse 21, and they say, look, God is calling all Christ followers to submit, to them, submit themselves to one another. And to that I say, right on. So far, so good. But some of these same people go on to say, well, that means that there are no longer any distinct roles in the family. There's no head of the family. There's no unique role of the husband as head in the unique calling of the wife to submit to that leadership. And to that I say, wrong. Yes, as Christ followers, we are all called to mutual submission. But that does not erase the different roles of biblical headship for the husband and biblical submission 
for the wife. You say, well, how do you know that, Bruce? Because Paul tells us in verse 23. Look at it. It's a simple statement, but it's a powerful, clarifying statement. Look what he says in verse 23. For the husband is what? What's it say? Head. For the husband is head of the wife. And then he makes a comparison. That's also Christ is head of the church. Listen to me, wives in particular. Paul didn't say there's no longer any head or leader in the home. He didn't say you're just supposed to submit to each other as co-partners in your marriage because nobody in your marriage has final authority, final accountability, or final responsibility to lead. No, instead, Paul says the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. This word head, it's an interesting word, and it actually it means literally position of authority. You can go to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Let me write, read it to you. And Paul writes, he says, But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. It's in reference to positions of authority. It's astonishing to me how many people don't see this when they deal with these passages, like in Ephesians and 1 Corinthians, or seeing these passages, they choose to neglect it or even reject it. So in light of the husband's role of headship, let me give you three reasons, wives, why you should submit to your husband. Number one, the first reason is submission is a result of God's original created order. It's a result of God's original created order. Again, when you go back to the beginning of creation, there are several indications in Genesis chapter 2 in particular that headship and submission were part of God's original creation. Such as God created man first in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And then God made the woman from the man and for the man as his suitable helper in Genesis chapter 2, 18 through 22. Paul now takes us back to this created order when he writes in 1 Corinthians eleven nine. 9, For indeed man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. So what does this mean? Well, it means that, first of all, there are gender-based roles in marriage that are ordained by God when he created Adam and Eve. Now, there's a lot there in that sentence. Gender-based roles. As you learned last Sunday, one man and one woman in a marriage for one lifetime. That's God's ordained idea of marriage. And even though our culture wants to redefine that, that doesn't make it so. Yes, when sin entered the world, as we already said, it ruined the harmony of marriage. And it twisted headship and submission, and it made them ugly. But sin didn't create headship and submission. God did when he created Adam and Eve. So the roles of headship and submission in marriage are not determined by our culture, but rather they are ordained by God at the creation Yes, specific duties in a marriage are flexible. What you want to work out in your own marriage uh, for the mutual good of your marriage and your family is up to you. But the roles of headship for the husband, the roles of submission for the wife are fixed by God for our good and for His glory. You mean God ordained these roles for our good and His glory? Absolutely. This is why Paul says, as you learned last Sunday, that marriage is a picture of Christ and His church. Marriage is a picture that stands for the relationship between Christ and His church. It's meant to be a living drama of how Christ and the church relate to each other, which brings glory to God. And so when we fulfill now, as Christ followers, when we fulfill our God-ordained roles as husbands and wives, listen to me, it brings glory to God. 
And it also is for our own good in our marriages. You ever wonder why so many marriages are so dysfunctional across our country? And even in our churches today? The primary reason why is because we have messed with God's roles for husbands and wives. We've messed with them. We've jacked them up. We've reversed them. We've distorted them. We've despised them. You name it. We have listened to our culture more than we've listened to God when it comes to this. And now we have marriages that are so dysfunctional. Listen, God is the creator. He knows what's best for us. He knows what brings some glory and what will bring you satisfaction in your marriage. Second, here's another reason why we should submit to your husbands. This submission is a mark of being filled with the Spirit. You've already seen that Paul tells us to be filled with the Spirit back in verse 18. And one of the marks or fruits of being filled with the Spirit is being submissive. This is in contrast to a Christ follower's past lifestyle before knowing Christ, which for most of us was characterized by resistance or rebellion toward those in authority. That's normal when you don't know Christ. But now when we come to know Christ, submission should be characterizing our lives. Number three, a third reason, submission is an expression of following Christ as Lord. This is what Paul means when he writes, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This doesn't mean that a wife must submit to her husband in exactly the same way that she submits to the Lord. Why? Well, the Lord is perfect and your husband is not. Exactly. He's far from perfect. But Paul is saying that a wife's submission to her husband is an expression, get this ladies, of your obedience to Christ as Lord. So wives, can I lovingly, gently, and yet honestly say, if you're here this morning and you're fighting within your heart against the idea of being submissive to your husband, it's a reflection of a much bigger issue in your heart. What you're really fighting against is following Christ as Lord. That's the heart of it. Therefore, submitting to your husband begins by surrendering to the Lord and to his word. It's where it starts. And it's where it ends. Now, let me just bring one little side note here. In those three reasons that I gave for why we should submit to your husbands, ladies, did you notice all three persons of the Trinity play a part in the roles for wives and husbands? We go back to Genesis and God's created order. God's the one that set this up. You have the Holy Spirit. We are to be filled with the Spirit, yielded to the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, we said, and then we are to submit ourselves to Christ and His Lordship. So you have God, you have the Spirit, and you have the Son of God, Jesus Christ. All three play a part in fulfilling our roles, ladies, and husbands, as we will see, which also means that you need all three to do this. You can't fulfill these roles without submitting to God's Word, without the power of God's Spirit working in your heart, and without the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. It is an impossibility. Now, I'm sure the thought of being submissive to one's husband, maybe that has stirred up some negative feelings in some women here today. So for this reason, let's answer our last question. Number three, how can a wife find dignity in submitting to her husband? How can a wife find dignity in submitting to her husband? Now, the reason I want to answer this question is because our culture says submission is anything but dignified. It's demeaning for a wife to submit to somebody, let alone her husband. Women, you need to stand up for yourself. Wives especially. You're on equal playing ground. And our whole mindset of our culture is, if you submit and you fulfill God's role in your marriage, you're not dignified. 
So how, then, can you find dignity in submitting to your husband? And by the way, I'm not saying you'll find dignity in our culture's eyes. But you will in God's eyes. Let me bring out three points here on this. There's no doubt there's a lot of misunderstanding on this, right? There's even hostility regarding a wife's role. Because our culture sees this in a radically different way than God does. So how can a wife find dignity in submitting to your husband? Number one, realize submission does not lessen your value. It doesn't lessen your value or diminish your significance in God's kingdom. Virginia Mollenknot, which I'm sure most of you probably never heard of her before, but Virginia Mollenknot is a retired English professor. professor. She's a self-proclaimed feminist and lesbian, and she made a comment. Listen to this comment. She said, and I quote, If a woman must, be, must of necessity be subordinate, she must of necessity be inferior. Now, that is a gross misunderstanding of what God thinks about you women. God's word teaches that men and women are equal by virtue of creation and by virtue of salvation. Men and women are both made in the image of God, according to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. In other words, men and women are equal in dignity, equal in value, equal in the likeness of God that you bear. When God brought Eve to Adam to be his wife, listen, Adam didn't look on Eve with disdain. On the contrary, man, Adam took a look at Eve And he was blown away by her. He was going, whoa, man. God, you brought me this. Woohoo! There was no disdain in that at all. There was delight. And by virtue of salvation, men and women are equal in their standing before God. As his beloved children. Go back to verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 5. And what does Paul say about our standing? We are his beloved children. There's no superiority or inferiority in God's family. As Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 and 28. He says you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves first with Christ. And then he says this statement. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. So wives, please understand, submission here has nothing to do with equality or your worth. Wives, listen to what Peter writes in 1 Peter 3. This is now verse 7. After he talks to wives about the example of Sarah, he now concludes in verse 7, look what he says. He writes about your significance in God's kingdom. He says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be husband. Peter is reminding us that although husbands have been given greater authority within the marriage relationship in their role, wives are still equal in spiritual privilege and eternal significance. And to that we say what? Amen, wives, you got it. Peter says, get this, you are heirs together in the grace of life. You get in on the blessings. You get in on the privileges of being in the kingdom of God, being a daughter of God. And when Peter calls wives the, quote, weaker vessel, it doesn't imply inferiority. It has nothing to do with weakness of character or intellectual intellectual ability or spiritual privilege. It refers to the difference in physical strength, which I think most men and women understand and even the difference in marriage roles between husbands and wives. And so while it's true, women are physically weaker, and weaker in terms of authority in a marriage relationship, it's also true that in every sense women are equal. Get this, ladies. You are equal in value. You are equal in significance in God's kingdom. 
So submission does not mean the wife is inferior to the husband. A difference in roles does not suggest a difference in equality and worth. Hallelujah, right? Amen to that. Number two. Here's a second reason to find dignity in your role. Submission is precious to God. Listen, your role is precious in the eyes of God. And it should be honored by your husband. Going back to our example of submission in 1 Peter 3, it says the spirit of submission is very precious in the sight of God. Precious here means very valuable to God. It's the idea that when God looks down from heaven and he sees you submitting to your husband, he smiles and he says to himself, she is precious to me. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome, wives, to know that? Submission is precious in the very sight of your God, of your Father. And because the spirit of submission is precious to God, it should be honored by us as husbands. It shouldn't be put down. So wives, let me ask you, do you want to be precious in our culture's eyes? Or do you want to be precious in God's eyes? If you want to be precious in God's eyes, embrace your role of submission. And then lastly, the third reason to, or how to find dignity, realize submission is the path to experiencing true joy as a wife. The context of submission in Ephesians 5 is the joy and thankfulness of being filled with the Spirit. So a wife's submission, it's not a cross that she miserably bears, rather it is the path to her joy. Remember, God's purpose for the church and the wife who represents that church is her everlasting joy. Get this, Christ died to bring you this joy just as he died for the church. So wives, let your submission again be redeemed. Let it bring you joy in your God-ordained role as a wife. Now, as we bring this to a close, I understand this may not have been the easiest sermon to listen to, wives, right? Correct? And perhaps this message has even caused a little tension in your heart. So I want to answer one final question. It's coming up on the screen. It's in your notes, and that question is this. What holds wives back from living out God's role of submission? In one word, fear. Fear, more than any other thing, is what holds most wives back from fulfilling their role in their marriage. And so perhaps the idea of submission even now brings you fear in your heart. If you go back to 1 Peter 3, verse 6, it says, As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good, and are not afraid with any terror. The NIV translation says, if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. This phrase, give way to fear, it means you're quickly alarmed by all the what-ifs in life. And in this case, it means you're fearful over the what-ifs of living out God's role of submission in your marriage. Now, let's be honest, wives. How many have not had some what-ifs before? That's pretty natural, pretty normal. Well, what if? What if about that? What if this? What if my husband does, doesn't, does? What if, Lord? And those what-ifs brings fear into our hearts, and it holds us back from fulfilling our God-ordained role of submission. So let me ask you, what are your fears right now when, when, if living out God's role of submission in your marriage. What are your fears when it comes to being submissive to your husband? And the bigger question is, how do you triumph over these fears? And the answer is, you trust in God. This is what Sarah and the holy women of the past did. They trusted in God and they triumphed over fear. Look what it says in verses 5 and 6 again. 
It says, for in this manner, in former times, the holy women who what? Trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Listen, wives. Wives who trust God fight the anxieties and what-ifs that rise up in their hearts. They wage war on fear, and they defeat it with their trust in God. It all comes down to this. Will you trust God in your role of submission? Or will you let fear hold you back? Will you listen to God in what He says in His Word? Or will you bow to our culture in what it says? It's really that simple of a choice. With your heads bowed. And as we prepare for response time, the praise team's going to come and sing. Ladies, let me ask you, how are you going to respond to this message? Will you embrace God's role of submission as a wife? Or will you reject it like our culture does? How are you doing when it comes to responding to your husband's lead? How are you doing when it comes to respecting your husband and his leadership? Perhaps the first step for some of you is to simply come to God and ask Him to forgive you for how you've been resisting God's role of submission. And then ask for God's grace to live out your role that He's given you as a wife. Whatever you you are in this process, maybe you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Man, your first step is to come to know Him because without knowing Christ as your Lord, without His work of redemption in your life, this is an impossibility for you. You can come to know Christ right now. You can come and repent of your sin and ask Him to save you. You can cry out to Him in this moment. Many of you already know Christ, but how are you doing at following your husband and submitting to Him? Let the Lord lead you in what you need to do as the praise team sings.